Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. The tagline is, you're living a good story, what if you could be living a better one? And for me, there's there's really only one way to do that, and it's kind of the BC and, and after. And so what I've found in 100 interviews on this podcast is that a lot of times the trauma that people experience in life is where God shows up for them. And uh, so I'm, I'm really excited today to dig in with Chuck. Chuck is uh, with Burning Heart Bible Studies. And if you go to his website, burningheartbiblestudies.com, fact-based Bible stories. So we started digging in before the podcast that there's a lot of translations of the Bible. There's different languages that it's been converted from and to. And so how do you get to fact-based Bible studies? We're going to dig into that and more on the conversation today. So Chuck, welcome to the call. Thank you. And you're in San Antonio, Texas, right? Yes. Excellent. And that's where we said the Alamo is there. I remember when I was in eighth grade, we made a visit to the Alamo and I have a picture. I think I had my skateboard and uh, I may have had an earring in my left ear at the time as well. (laughs) (laughs) No longer do I wear those earrings in my left ear. Um, So for our audience to get to know you, I like to ask the question, if, if we were to ask your friends, family, maybe one of your 12 uh, grandchildren, um, what three words do you think that people would, would use to describe you? Well, I asked around just to find out. I thought that would be interesting. And the, the, uh, uh, the, the total put, put at the top, thinker. I tend to think a lot. And in, in, in group conversations, I'm usually the quiet one. But if I speak up, people are going to listen because I've been thinking. Uh, so thinker, uh, an organizer, and then there were two that sort of tied for number three. It was um, focused and conscientious. Mm. I love it when we when we start to lean into our God-given talents and understand that that there's value placed on that by people that we know and love. It's kind of fun when you start to bring those two things into congruence, right? Yeah. So you, you've had some experience there. Thinking back, if we rewind the tape to your early childhood, were you always in Texas or where were you raised? Uh, my dad was a commercial pilot and we 
in, in his career, we wound up moving a lot uh, up through high school. I spent the last two years of high school in the same high school in Fargo, North Dakota, but I averaged a change to a new, uh, new school every year. Wow. So, some places I was just six weeks. Please tell my daughter that because I think we moved seven times by the time she graduated. I call it five because one time we moved a quarter of a mile away. She's like, no, uh -huh. dad, that still counts as a different house. I'm like, yeah, it was a better house. <laughs> That's funny. So what was your passion when you were very young? Like some of your first memories, what was your thing at that age? Five, six. Uh, I, I talked to my parents about that and, um, and, and, and quite, quite a while ago. And they said they could never remember a time when I wasn't uh, in love with airplanes. And that developed into uh, aerospace. And so I became very interested, interested in space. So I, from a very, very young age, they couldn't remember a time that I wasn't interested in airplanes and I was gonna fly airplanes. Wow. Well, this space program going on and all the, all the things going on in space nowadays, it, it makes you think that Star Wars isn't actually too far off from what we're doing these days. Boy, some of it's sort of scary too. It is a little scary. Yeah, I heard in the last 24 hours, somebody said they may just let the big International Space Station fall into America and it's 100 tons if I heard. And I was wow. kind of interested. Yeah, I read, I read in 20, 20 years, it's got 20 more years of life and then they're gonna let it. Um, what I read was fall into a, an area of the Pacific Ocean where they have let other US uh, satellites fall. Wow, interesting. So All right, so if, if, that younger, if that younger Chuck came into the room and knocked on the door right now and said, hey, can I pull up a chair and, and looked across the table from you and said, hey, high five, right? We've got 12 grandkids, this is pretty cool. Um, is there anything you think that Chuck would tell this Chuck of, you know, I thought we'd be doing a little more of this or a little less of that. Any gaps that you think younger Chuck would see in, in older Chuck? Um, younger Chuck may have said, why didn't you pursue flying further? And uh, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting story that, that, that uh, led me to uh, do what I'm doing today. But, uh, but I did fly. Uh, was able to, uh, like you, God blessed, blessed us financially, and I was able to fly on my own instead of somebody else paying me to fly. It was always a hobby for me. That's neat. So, yes, sometimes God has plans in store for us that are bigger and better. You know, I remember I wanted to be a pilot, funny enough, when I was a kid as well, and my, my dad's a doctor, so, you know, they were like, wait, I thought you were going to be a doctor. <laughs> Great idea, except for all the books that you have to read and memorization you have to do. But I did a study and I looked up how much money does an average pilot make? And at the time, 30 years ago, if I remember right, it was 50, 60 grand. And I was like, okay, wait, that means I'm going to have to coupon clip and I'm going to have to, you know, really watch my budget pretty tightly. And, and honestly, I, I had big aspirations of buying a nice car and everything else. So that that's what swayed me. But then I became a salesperson and I traveled all over the country and all over the world on airplanes. And I, I didn't have to be behind the wheel. I just wanted to have the experience of meeting people, seeing things, and frankly, being on the plane and looking down at, at earth. So yeah. similar, similar story, different, different ending. 
Um, all right, tell me about, this is one of my favorite questions because we all face the buzzsaw of life, right? Where you hit something and you're just like, whoa, what happened? How did I get here? Is there something that you're comfortable sharing on a podcast like this with our listeners of a time that was tough for you, but now looking back, it, it helped make you the person that you are today? Uh, when, when I was 12 years old, my dad brought home a catalog for me that was about the United States Air Force Academy. And from 12 years old, I was going to go to the US Air Force Academy and I was going to be a top pilot and I was going to enter the astronaut program. And I was going to fly a space shuttle. And uh, when I first decided that I had read about space shuttles, nobody else knew what a space shuttle was going to be. They didn't exist yet, hmm. but that's what I was going to fly. Um, in the end, I was accepted to West Point Naval Academy and to, um, oh, what's, what's, what's uh, West Point Naval Academy? And the Air was, Force Academy, maybe in Colorado Springs, no? The, the Air Force Academy, I turned down the others thinking, well, if these came along, the Air Force Academy was going to come along. And I got a notice from the Air Force Academy that I was disqualified for medical reasons. They had never received my medical information mm. from the uh, Air Force base where I had to travel to get that, the, the, the medical checkups. And uh, that was, that was a, a blow. Uh, I had six months earlier received uh, a full pilot scholarship from the Air Force to go to any university I wanted to and, uh, and they would pay me to go to school at the same time. And then I would fly for five years after that was the commitment. Uh, the um, Vietnam War ended. And uh, a couple of years after that, so did my scholarship. <laughs> and they said, we don't need you anymore. You can be anything else you want to be. You can be a missile person. You can be just a whole list of careers. I, they told me I had my choice. Well, yeah, I had my choice too. They told me I could be a pilot. And I told them, well, I think I would like to be a general. If you tell me I can be a general, maybe I'll consider staying. But um, they said, they, they, you know, I understood they can't do that. Uh, what, what actually happened was they released me without any commitment period. And I finished my degree later uh, what um, what that led to was six weeks after my pilot scholarship was canceled, I entered the Sunset International Bible Institute in Lubbock, Texas, and it was a full grant and all expenses paid and all living expenses paid as well. Mm -hmm. And I was married at that time, and uh, we had our first child while we were there. So that's something that... Uh, looked like the world had fallen apart, but it's actually just exactly where God wanted me, I think. Wow. What's, what's funny about that story is that we lived in Colorado Springs. My dad did come into the Air Force, if I'm not mistaken, as a general in medical. And so he never had an aspiration of flying. His was to be a doctor. So I remember as a three to five-year-old, when we moved there, I was probably five, my brother was three, and we'd drive through the gates and they would salute my dad because he was a higher ranker, ranking right. official. And so we always thought they were saluting us as the five-year-old and three-year-old. <laughs> so 
So isn't that funny how things, how, how it works out, right? You ended up precisely where God needed you. And my dad ended up, his dad died of a brain tumor when my dad was 21. And so he had this very deep passion to be a doctor and, and help other people so that that didn't happen, happen to other people. Nowadays in radiology, they detect that stuff much earlier. And most of those kinds of big brain tumors get averted. So yeah. His, his dream came true. Um, but wow, what a, what a small world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's neat. What, I like what that, what that actually led to is my degree. Um, uh, my, my, my undergraduate degree was in Spanish literature. So we went to work in Honduras and then Argentina and, uh, did, uh, that kind of work for a total of 10 years. And then I developed an interest in international finance through the exchange rate that, that we were involved in in Argentina. And I came back to the United States and got an MBA with an emphasis in international finance and international marketing and had an international business career. Uh, and that um, that's what led to, uh, to me be, being able to fly and, and to a, a lot of other financial blessings that we could afford. So let's, since you're into fact-based Bible studies, let's, let's, let's um, ask a question. You may or may not know the verse, but the one that says, before you were born, God knew what your story was, basically, right? It's before you were in your mother's womb, he knows your story. Um, when I went through three traumas last year, I hadn't had one for 20 years. Last year was three, back to back to back. I, I, wow. They were spread out. One, one in January, one in February, and one in September. And these are like near-death experiences. One of them knocked half the revenue out of my company. I mean, just big things that hit anybody. And, and I turned to God 100% of the time. What, what happened as a result of that is that I started seeing people show up in my life and recognizing and understanding that indeed the story has already been written. I'm like, wait, you're that person. And you, oh, you're that person. You've, you've been to different countries. You've studied the Bible. Any perspective on what I, you know, now that I'm further away, my last one was COVID and I had a 72 oxygen rate in September. Wow. And that was that, that night was close. I, I wrote a song called 10 minutes from the end of the road because I literally felt 10 minutes, you know, it started to close in and everything. And then I was like, if I was ready to turn my life and keys to the car over to my wife to raise my kids and my grandkids, I was like, I must be pretty good shape and a pretty good place that I'm comfortable with that. Like, I didn't want it to happen, but I was like, God, if it's my time, I'm yours, right? And then, then everything turned around immediately after that when I surrendered. But I started immediately seeing these people show up. And it started in January when all this started. Have you, what are your thoughts on that? Of the, the movie's already been written and it's my job to play, play my part in the movie? Or, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, God, God uh, tells us that uh, everything will work out for the best. For those who trust him and um uh, he knows he's he, he's beyond time he created time time doesn't control him he controls time and it's almost like any point in history he's there right now and he's in the future time he's in the time right now 
he can tell us what's going to happen because he's already seen it. He's already there. I don't know how he does all of that, but I know he can. Yeah. Trust and faith. I got to tell you, in tragedy number two, my son had second, third degree burns on his face and hands from a fire accident. And it was bad and it got worse. And, and they were like, look, we're going to have to take off half of his thigh and sew it on his face. Wow. And you're going, okay, God, this one's way over my pay grade. I trust you. I have faith. Like, and then I prayed for a miracle and I never prayed for an actual miracle. And three weeks after the burn incident and they go to unwrap the gauze and his face was back like more than you could ever possibly. It's a hundred percent perfect. Wow. His right hand's a hundred percent perfect. His left hand has a little bit of a baseball scar and a little bit of stuff on his finger, but that was the one that held the pan for like two minutes because he was being polite and didn't want to put a burning pan down in his apartment that he rents. Um, but God completely took care of that situation. Miracles are, are amazing. When I, when I first became a believer at age 14, I was of the mentality that God was lucky to have me. And uh, my prayer was something that if I knew how it was going to turn out, maybe I wouldn't have prayed that, but I always prayed, use me how you want to use me. Well, guess what? I didn't become an astronaut. I, I didn't blow up in Challenger or Columbia. And I, I have, have, though, led a very interesting and blessed life because he's taken me where he wanted me. And right now, I guess in 2003, 2004, in that, in that area is when we first started Burning Heart Bible Studies. We started that with seminars, and again, fact-based seminars, telling the story of Jesus, but taking out all the, the myth and all the legend, only sticking with what could be legitimately proven. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and it's interesting how that story changes. You know, you, you find the nativity scenes every Christmas, yeah, the wise, they the didn't wise men come in that same night, did they? It was two the wise men weren't later. there. Two, yeah. yeah, two to three years later, yeah. uh, you find in the same story, Christmas story, Jesus riding a or not Jesus, Mary riding a donkey to Bethlehem, and Joseph leading the donkey. That isn't how they would have traveled. Three times a year, they would have gone to Jerusalem for for each of the three great feasts all the men had to, and it was common for the family to accompany them. Uh, and they went in caravans. They were well-equipped in caravans. And that's, that's doc documented in history, in the Bible and outside of the Bible. So the way they would have traveled would have been in a way, just, it would just trip number four to, to the Jerusalem area. Bethlehem's just five miles southeast of Jerusalem. So nothing out of the usual. They had to, they had to travel to pay their, to, to register for taxes. All the family members had to do it. So one more caravan down to Bethlehem. So let's talk about this big one real quick because my aunt sent me a book. She's my godmother and she's very 
fact-based, very fact-based. And when I say that, it's it's interesting because I, I, I would expect she would say, yeah, the Campbells came through your, like she knows all of that information. The, she sent me a book, I think it's called Without Flesh. And the very opening lines of the book are, this is my body. And so when Jesus breaks the bread, broke it, gave it to his disciples, said, take, eat, this is my body. Where I go with that is, is I think about everything in the world. And when you say, is my body, it's like, yeah, I'm the bread. I'm your hair. I'm, I, I, I'm everything. Um, but, but that's my putting my own uh, thinking on it. And so from a fact-based biblical perspective, when he says, this is my body, is it meant to mean literally is or is it a symbol because i know that's a dichotomy in some of the religions that are out there well i, I mentioned that my my uh, undergraduate degree is in hispanic literature it's a metaphor and we all use metaphors and we would never hold someone using a metaphor or ourselves to to say oh that must be something that's very literal hmm. um this is my body. Well, it, it was. It represents the, the it body. It represents, yes. right, right. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then the other one in the Bible is the when he turns water into wine. And I've heard the, someone told me recently that they felt the actual thing there was, it didn't actually turn into wine, but we could make it seem like it was wine. It's like, yeah, it's water, but you're tasting it. And if you, you know, if you go inside your mind, you can kind of do anything. Any, any the, thoughts on the wine conversation? When, when I get into the, the, uh, to the Greek that was written by the prophets, um, the Greek word is it turned it into oinos. Oinos, oinos is a term that can mean either one. It can mean grape juice or fermented grape juice, either one. Wow. And the only way you know is by the context. Uh, what, I, what I find throughout the Old Testament, warning against warning, don't even look at it. Don't worry about it, it doesn't matter. I, yeah. I, 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 give a, I give a seminar where I'm holding a glass and it's on, on recreational drugs. And, and I use alcohol as, as, as an in, in, in quote passages throughout the, 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 the Bible. It says, when it says, don't even look on it, that doesn't mean cover your eyes and then start drinking. Um, nowhere in the Bible do I find that it's, 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 it's a sin to drink, but there are lots of commands to be alert. And we know today I guess they knew it back in by then by experience. Today we know it by science that uh, alcohol makes one not alert, even one drop. We were talking about flying. A commercial pilot can't have one drop of cough medicine that has an alcohol content, mm -hmm. not one drop, or they can't fly for 24 hours. And there's a reason for that. The FAA has decided no, that influences his reactions, and we can't let him fly for 24 hours. Sure. Uh, there, have, there have been pilots that have been, oh, I would say about 
15, 16 years ago, two Northwest pilots lost their jobs, their livelihood, because they stopped at a bar in the airport and then got on the plane. And the staff, the, the, the stewards, stewards and stewardesses, everybody else that was employed on the plane were not going to take off with them. They reported them and they lost their livelihood. They lost their ability to earn money flying. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, but Jesus, I'm convinced that Jesus made grape juice. That's what oinos means, unless there's some context that means it has to be fermented grape juice. People have told me, well, it's a wedding. Of course it was fermented. Even in the United States, 50% of people don't even drink, period. They won't even touch alcohol, 50%. And that's not a, that's I'm trying to remember the source of that. It was the, um, I can't remember the name of it, the, whatever the National Medical Association is for doctors. AMA, uh, the, American the Medical AMA, it was an, it's an AMA statistic that, uh, and that surprised me, 50%. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, I've, and, I've, I'm in the 50 now. And it's funny because I always had a stigma around, huh, why is that guy not drinking when I was a mm -hmm. kid? And nowadays, like, who wants to have a little hangover and a headache in the morning and you operate at 90%? When right. I'm running a company, I need to be at 100%, you know? Right. And, just... and, and you want all of your employees to be at 100% also. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes 100% won't do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Boy, just think if you were at 90. <laughs> think if you were at 90. Okay, last question is, you already shared that obviously God put you somewhere different than you had planned. And therefore you avoided challenger. You know, you weren't on one of those and you could have very well been, no doubt yeah. about it. Um, is there a time besides that time where God undeniably showed up for you? Some people on the show have said he talked. Some One person while she's being attacked saw her attack, saw Jesus outside the window crying, weeping for her clearly as day other people god god yelled at them um how does god talk to you uh talks to me through the scriptures but one thing that happened in my life there there's so many times where looking back i see god having influenced the outcomes uh in a way that i, I would have never chosen uh, when i was a freshman beginning my uh, second semester freshman year at the University of Missouri, I was not looking to get married. I was not looking for a serious date. In my aerospace science course, which was all men, there was a woman in there, a young, young lady my age. And I followed her on the sidewalk. You can say I was stalking her, walked up behind her and said, hey, I really like your smile, which was true. Would you go out with me Friday night? No. <laughs> well, I don't give up. You know by sales, three times, right? That's right. If they tell you no three times, then maybe you should walk away. Hmm. Well, I said, how about Saturday night? <laughs> well, she said yes. Hmm. Hmm. And six months later, we were married. 
something I had never planned on at all. That's probably the biggest one time that I could see God influencing my life because I don't walk up behind anyone on the sidewalk and tap them on the shoulder and start talking to them. I'm the quiet one. Hmm. Wow. That's amazing. And so the moral of the story is listen to those moments. Like when you're in them, sometimes you're like fighting it, right? And you just have to follow the thread, follow the voice that tells you. What's also interesting, we wrote an app called 77 Pray, and it's launched maybe six months ago. For the first 90 days, every morning and night I prayed. And I'm saying it in past tense because it's in beta mode, the next release, and it's been glitchy. And so I'm, I'm pretty close. I'm probably 80% now. And then you read a Bible verse, and then you invite someone to the app. And when you talk to God in the morning and listen, and at night, and you're, you're just on that trajectory, it's amazing. Because most people just go through their lives and forget to try to have the communication. And what a blessing it's been to remind yourself to, to do that. I used to do it every night before bed. I always do that. I'm almost 100%, but not for when I wake up. And that's what's changed, bookending my day with prayer. Well, one thing that's helped me a lot is uh, I talked about looking back and having seen where God has influenced my life in directions that I would have never chosen, but how he's worked it all out. And that's even in some life and death situations. Uh, that's helped me to trust him forward. If I see, I should have been trusting him backward a lot more than I'm going to trust him forward as well. Yeah, that's right. Well, Chuck, it's been an amazing conversation getting to know you. If people want to learn more about the fact-based Bible, um, how would they get a hold of you? Uh, at, at the website is the best place. That's where I take people. That's We drive everything to the website. And there's my contact information also. Best to contact me through email because then I can answer in a, in a well thought out way. Excellent. Burningheartbiblestudies.com. We'll put it in the show notes. Thanks so much for sharing with our listeners today. It's been great talking with you, Chuck. Thank you, Chad. I'm glad I could be here. All right, everybody, we'll catch you on the next. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ. <laughs>